Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, good morning, everybody. How are you today? So I just, I just want to say congratulations to you. Um, you got up on a Sunday morning, so by itself. Um, you got up while it was raining, misty, whatever, and, um, and you decided to come here. You got up. Do you know that, so this is true. This is true, true story right here. There's nothing in life more comfortable than your bed in the morning when you need to get up out of it. You know what I'm saying? Can I get an amen up in here? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, and you did it, you did it. So congratulations. Um, we're so glad that you're here. We're stoked that you're here. We're actually um, taking our next step in our last days series together here today. And, you know, I was reminded of uh, this week when I was um, scrolling through Facebook. I was scrolling through Facebook. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, so Facebook now, it's like I'm dating myself by saying I'm scrolling through Facebook, you know, you know, because my kids don't, they don't even use Facebook, it's, you know. But anyway, I was scrolling through Facebook this week, and, um, and I love um, uh, the memories that pop up in Facebook. They, they give you these memories of stuff you posted years ago, and, um, and so I, I love seeing the memories that come up, and you're like, oh, that was a good time, or this, you know, and you kind of look at the, the memories, but... I'm in this stage of life right now, this season, where um, my kids are 21, 18, and 16. And I'm in this, I don't know if you guys, if you have kids that age or older, you, maybe you can relate to this, but I'm in this stage of life right now where I'm so sentimental about like, like my kids and, 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 you know, we're about ready, you know, two of them are pretty much just sort of in adulthood and, and, um, and, and one of them is is uh, clearly not, and um, so no, so so we, but but they're 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 in that stage of life, right, where they're sort of heading in that direction, and um, and these these memories pop up on Facebook that are like my kids when they're like babies, and I'm so emotional about this stuff. I had this. Listen, listen. This is how it, it, something is happening in my psyche. This is what happened the other uh, a couple weeks ago. I woke up. And uh, I, in my bed, and, and I, was, I was crying. And I had this dream of, of, of a memory of, of when I was, uh, my kids were real little, and I was on all fours uh, on the living room floor, and my, my youngest son was on my back. And I was trying to buck him off, you know, and he was trying to hold on, and he's like being swung around and stuff. And, and in, the, in the dream, I was crying as, as, his, as my son's trying to get off, you know, my back. And, and, I, and, I think, and I think, like, subconsciously, I had this very, like, I'm very aware that I'm in this season where they're about ready to just sort of move into a different stage of life. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you nodding your heads like, you, you've been there, um, you know. So this is what it was like for us when our kids were little. Take, take a look at this picture. Um, this is our kids when they were little. Um, so that dude holding the baby, that's me. Um, I have hair, and, um, and so our youngest, Jake, is in my arms, and so, you know, he, he doesn't know what's going on, 
And then Micah, who's now finishing up his freshman year of college, he's in Nicole's arms. Of course, Nicole, and she's not even here, she won't know that I said this, has not aged at all. Like, she, this is how she looks right now, you know? And, um, and then there's Summer, for some reason, she's got her hand over her heart. <laughs> she's like, this is important. I have my hand over my heart. And she's sort of, her, you know, her middle finger is kind of, you know, sticking out there a little bit. We, were, we weren't sure, like, what are, you, what are you trying to communicate? Like, God bless America with, like, an attitude, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. But these are kids when, when, when they're just, like, little babies. And, you know, when you have a little baby in, at, 11, at the 11 o'clock service, we're going to do a baby dedication. And um, when you have a little baby, they're just so innocent, you know. E- even, even when... They wait until you take the diaper off to have a big blowout, like in your face. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they're innocent in it. It's not like they were like, let me hold on, let me hold on until he gets this off. And then, you know, no, they, it's, they're innocent, right? They're just so innocent. And they're just so, now this is our, this is our family now. This was taken just um, Christmas time. And, you know, I'm now, I have no hair. And, um, you know, the, both the boys are taller than me. And, you know, look, there's Nicole. She, yeah, I wasn't lying. She hasn't aged. Um, you know, we want, our, we want to guide and direct our kids to grow up to be mature people who have lives that flourish, right? This is what we want for our kids. We want them to be at this stage and know sort of how to walk forward. And if they don't know how to walk forward, they know how to reach out and say, I need help in how to walk forward, right? We want to lead our families in this way. You know, as um, followers of Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, it's like the same thing. Everything's new. Everything's exciting. It's all good vibes. Like, we've experienced the, the biggest life transformation we'll ever experience. It's all new. It's exciting. And we're passionate. And and we're, we're, oh man, we're telling people about Jesus and, and we, all these, this, whole, this whole new world opens up to us and it's just this amazing thing. And then along the way, right, we begin to experience some of the challenges. Like eventually our little innocent newborns become kids that we have to encourage, but we also have to correct. And we correct them because we love them so much and we want them to have a flourishing life right? Jesus does the same thing with us. And thank goodness, yes. And today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through our next chapter in the book of Revelation. And we're in um, what's called the Last Days series. And what we're going to see Jesus do in this chapter of Revelation is come alongside of us like any good parent should do and encourage us, but also correct us. Out of his love for us, he's going to say, hey, 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 you're going down this path? Don't go down that path. My best for you is not down that path. I want you to go down this path because what I have on this path for you is infinitely better than this path that you're currently going down. And so Jesus is going to walk us through this. He's going to help us with this today. So why are we looking at the last days? Well, people are throwing around last days you know, language and imagery a lot because we have never seen in our generation um, as much chaos as we see right now. It seems like everywhere we look, 
there, there's only more and more chaos, not less and less of it. It doesn't seem like it's settling down, does it? It seems like it's almost like it's ratcheting up. And so we've decided as a church to take the entire year to look at the book of Revelation. Now, we're not doing it all at once. We're graciously breaking it up for you. Actually, that's for us because Revelation is kind of heavy to teach. And so we, we need some space in there. No, um, we're walking it through the course of this year because the last days are not like some end-of-world scenario like you see in a movie. That's, that's, that's not the last days. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of what we have here in the Bible, he said it like this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. This is Paul writing to people he knew in the first century. And he said, in these last days, we're living in, those of us in the first century. And so Paul thought he was in the last days, because he was. Everything from the resurrection of Jesus to the return of Jesus is considered the last days. And so, yes, we are in the last days. And so how do we live in light of the last days? This is what we're after as we study the book of Revelation. And today, as Jesus walks us through Revelation chapter 2, we're going to explore this one big idea. I'm all about one big idea. Can you remember one thing today? If you're a note taker, this is what you want to write down. If you're not a note taker, take your phone out, open up a new text message, put your name and number in the text message, and send this to yourself right now. Do it. Now, I'm not joking around. Some of you are laughing like right now. I'm not telling a joke. Open the thing up. Send it to yourself. And then all week long, you can marinate on this one truth. And here's the one truth. The love of Jesus is strong enough to call us out and to call us up. It's strong enough. We can trust the love of Jesus to call us out because we need it. Because to what end? He wants to call us up. He wants us to experience more of him. And so here we go. Today in Revelation chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. And while I'm going to do my best to cover this chapter, in this chapter and the next, there are seven letters to seven churches Jesus tells John, who was writing this book, this letter, John is exiled on an island, and he has nothing to do but sit there and write. And so he writes. He has a vision from God, and he writes this book, and it's Jesus directly speaking to the church. Not just the churches we're going to talk about today and next Sunday, but to the church throughout the ages, which includes Hope Church in 2022. All right. So I'm going to walk us through the first four churches, the letters to the first four churches, and uh, I want to encourage you to take a deep dive into this this week, because we're only going to scratch the surface here. This is Revelation, after all, and if you've never read the Bible, you'll understand that statement I just made when we're done. All right? So here we go. Revelation uh, chapter 2, let's get started, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus... This is our first church. Now, who's the angel? Let's, let's just um, clarify some terms here. The angel could be an angel. Like, it could actually be like a guardian kind of angel for a church. 
Uh, some scholars believe that. Probably more scholars believe that this represents more so the leadership of the church, maybe like the pastoral leadership, to, to those who are, who are uh, tasked with shepherding a church, with overseeing a church, with caring for a church. Um, either one, whichever one you want to apply, you choose. This is Choose Your Own Adventure today. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, here's what Jesus has to say. Now, this is Jesus talking. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And right away, if you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, you're like, oh, I'm out. I don't know what that means. I'm out. I'm done. Um, Hold on. Hold on. All right, I'm going to tell you what's going on. The seven lampstands are the seven churches we're talking about. Now, now remember, notice that these are lampstands. A lampstand does not have a light of its own. It's simply a holder for something. Jesus, the light of the world, sits on the lampstand. We are the lampstand for the light of the world. Maybe I should have thought this out and had like a lamp up here. (laughs) But I'm glad it was there, right? I'm glad it was there. You get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Come on. Um, We are the lampstands. The stars are the leaders of the church. These these are the people responsible for for the church. So Jesus holds, well, look at this language. Jesus holds the seven stars in his right hands He walks among the churches. Now, here's why that's important. Look at the next words, verse 2. I know your deeds. Listen, before we get into how the props that Jesus is going to give the church in Ephesus, let's let's not hurry past this language. Jesus holds the leaders in his hands. He walks among the churches. He knows what is happening. And that's not just like these seven churches. This is Hope Church. Jesus walks among Hope Church. Jesus knows what's happening here. He knows the things that are good here at Hope Church, and he knows the things that we need to be called out on. And do you know why? Because he cares The church is called the bride of Christ. Jesus walks with us because we're his bride. I don't want to spend, I travel a lot for work that I do. I don't don't love it. I don't love the travel because I don't want a day away from my bride. I want to be with my bride. So does Jesus. Some of you, even as we go through times where where um, change is happening, or, you know, in this last year, we've, we've, we've merged into this uh, amazing partnership with the Coastlands Church and Hope Church, and there's a bit of uncertainty, and, you know, Danny and Jenny are still very much in the Hope family, leading the Hope family. Most Sundays, they're over at the Coastlands serving that church community, and we, we kind of, there's lots of things going on, and sometimes we we wonder and we kind of, we kind of get on, on uneven ground, we feel like, and we're like, what's happening? Or it's not the same, or it's this, or it's that. And listen, Jesus holds Hope Church. He walks among Hope Church. He knows what's happening at Hope Church. He loves and he cares. 
Ah, oh. isn't that, isn't that, is it, listen, if you're visiting here today or you're watching online, or you're out on the patio and you don't know Jesus, like you haven't said yes to the love of Jesus, even, even what I've just said should encourage you. Like we believe that the one who created, who birthed the church is here and he's active. And he's not just like out there. He walks among us. Ah, oh, you guys. Okay, I'm teaching up in Scotts Valley today and I'm coming back here at 11. So it's a miracle of God. You pray for me right now that I, I, I can finish um, here. Chris is like, I, Tim, it's not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, I know your deeds, right? Jesus is going to give him some props. Here we go. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Wouldn't that be amazing for that to be said about us? We persevere. We know things enough about God in the Bible. We know theology. We know, we know enough about what's true about God that we can test the things that are false around us. Right? Wouldn't that be amazing to be said about us? Can it be said about us? Jesus, these are some, these are some amazing props. But look at verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. Oh. When Jesus says, I have this against you, Mike, ooh, all right, okay, you know, at least he knows enough to, like, give us some props ahead of time, right? So we're feeling it, but here's what he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Some, people, some versions will say you have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. Oh, and by the way, if you don't repent, uh-oh, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. We are not guaranteed existence as a local church. We're not. Jesus is passionate about his bride. He is passionate about it. And he is long-suffering, God is. But he will not allow his bride. Can, can, I, can I make a statement here that's, that, that's, that's a bit sort of in your face? It's, it's, it's a bit like... He will not allow his bride to be prostituted out. He won't. He won't allow it. Jesus is passionate about his bride. And here's how they had done it. Look, verse 6, you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. Every time I say that, I want to say the Nickelodeons, which I also hate. Here's what was important about that. This group of people who followed this guy, Nikolai, they followed this guy. He, he, what he did was he took Jesus and he added condoning sexual immorality and he added false doctrine. 
And he brought it all together in one pot, and he was enticing people to leave the true gospel of Jesus Christ and embrace this other thing. I don't have to like go very far down a road for you to see how that might apply in our day and age. We see this all the time, this temptation to go in these different directions that are not the intent that Jesus had for his church. And Jesus said, hey, I have some things against you, but I do love that you don't like the things this group is doing over here because I hate what they're doing too. Now watch this. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. Do you know what's happening right now? Jesus is talking specifically to you. At the end of each letter to the church, each letter has the same format. You'll see. At the end of each letter, he says, to those who have ears to hear, let them hear what I'm saying. That's to every other church in the generations to come that will ever read these words. This is to you. This is directly to you. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Don't get tripped up in, in the, like, sort of the grand language of that. He's, he's guaranteeing that we will be in his presence for all of eternity. That's all that that means. And so here's what Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus. You've done a lot of things really well. You should do those things. We could put all those things on one, on one side of a page, list all those things. We should be about all of those things. But on the right side, the greatest accusation Jesus could ever throw at someone else is that they have forgotten their first love. Why? Because Jesus said that all of the Bible boils down to this, love God and love your neighbor. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Have you forgotten your first love? If you're a follower of Jesus, has there been a day where you've been more passionate, more excited about Jesus than you are today? Have you forgotten your first love? Something for you to consider. All right, let's go. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, here's what you need to write. These are the words of him. Now watch, this is a different description. Every letter starts with the description of Jesus. Of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Smyrna was one of the wealthiest cities in the world. Affluence. I mean, think of whatever wealthy city you want to think of. Like whatever picture you have in your mind. This was Smyrna. Super wealthy. But because the Christians would not eat food offered to idols, they were outcast. They were put out of the trades. So, so here, without getting too much into, into too much history, here's how it worked in, these, in the first century. You had trades where people made their money. And everyone in those trades would get together for meals. And you had to like, go to those meals. It was like a networking event that you had to go to if you wanted to get work. You, know? you had to be a part of that community. Those trades, those meals, would, would offer food that was um, offered to sacrifice, uh, uh, sacrifices to idols. And so if you were a Christian and you were saying, no, I'm not going to do that. God forbids me to eat food offered to idols you could not participate in those networking meals. If you couldn't participate in those meals, you couldn't get jobs. And if you couldn't get jobs, you had no money. And so the church 
in this very affluent city was extremely poor. And Jesus says, I see you. I see what you've done. Yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of, about what you are to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Now watch this. Whoever has ears to ear, hear, Hope Church. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying right now. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. In this world, there may come a day where you give your life. Maybe even for Jesus. That's the first death. The second death is spiritual. And Jesus says, no matter what happens to you in this life, you will be with me in eternity. You will have life with me in eternity, Jesus says. So the things you're going through, persevere, take heart. And even if you lose your life for my name's sake. How many of our brothers and sisters right now around the world, places like Ukraine, are reading these words to the church in Smyrna in Revelation 2 and are saying, I have ears to hear. That's me. Remember, the love of Jesus is strong enough to call us out and to call us up. Smyrna is one of the two churches in the list of seven that do not have anything against them. How cool is that? It's possible. You could actually hit the mark as a church. Something to consider. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let's keep going because we have more churches to talk about. More churches to talk about. To the angel in the church of Pergamum, write, these are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Now, don't, don't get tripped up on that imagery. The double-edged sword is the word of God. The word of God is active and it's, and it's alive. It's like a double-edged sword that cuts you right to your soul if you'll let it. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was Jesus. Right? I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. How many of you feel like you have ever lived in a place where surely Satan must have his throne right here in this place, in this community? You know what I'm saying? Listen, in the greater Bay Area, we are regularly ranked in the top five regions in our country of people who don't know Jesus and are actively against Jesus. We're usually ranked in the top five. If you were to look at the United States of America and say, where does the enemy have its most influence? We would be in that top group. Some of this right here is speaking right to us. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the day of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, now what, what does that mean, by the way? What, what does that mean, where Satan lives? Um, what it means is this is a place where, like our region of the United States, this is a place where Satan was very, very active. There were things happening in this city that were at the depths of humanity, things that weren't happening in other cities. 
And so it was figuratively called, you know, sort of the home of Satan. That's because it was so bad there. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin. So they ate food, sacrificed to idols, idolatry, and committed sexual immorality. Same as the other one. Jesus is aware and is passionate about sexual sin in the church. I'm just going to lob that out there for you. And, uh, you know... Let that be what that's going to be. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the same group, the Nickelodeons. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with uh, the sword of my mouth, his word. Whoever has ears to hear, hope church, what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious, if you will persevere, I will give some of the hidden manna, Ooh, these next two things, you guys, are like, like straight-up hardcore revelation. <laughs> they take a little bit of exploring to figure out. L- listen to this. I will give you some hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. All right, so I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to unpack these two things, just so you know what they are. Hidden manna. Manna was something that God provided the nation of Israel as they moved from slavery, Egypt, to the promised land. He, he provided, divinely provided food for them every day on the ground called manna. And they would go and they would pick up the manna and God would provide for them so they had food to eat every day on their journey. When Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you some hidden manna, what he's saying is, I'm going to give you food that will last forever. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you want to hunger no more, feast on me, Jesus says. He is what we need. And so Jesus is saying, you're going to get everything you need. I'm going to give it to you because I am the bread of life. This is hidden manna. Now, a white stone. What is that all about? So in the first century, a white stone was, was, was like having a, an ultra-exclusive... Um, credit card, you know, where you could go in anywhere and do almost anything and, and, and almost have no expense to you. Here, here's what it was used for. It was used for all kinds of things. But let me give you one example. So there were like the Olympic Games, right? And if you were a champion in the Olympic Games, depending on, on what, you know, uh, event it was and, if, you know, if you came in first in that, you could be given a white stone, on it. And engraved on that stone would be your name. And as an Olympic champion, anywhere in the Roman world, you could use that stone and get into any party that you wanted to get into. You could get into any social gathering. You could get in, in, in effect, it provided for you automatic um, um, financial assistance, meaning you could pay for stuff with that stone. It, 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 was, it was like a, like a get-out-of-jail-free card. I mean, you, you could use that stone, and you could get access to almost anything that you needed because you had this stone in your hand. It was also used, though, as a sign of acquittal when you stood trial for something 
and you were declared innocent. And so Jesus is saying this, I'm going to give you a white stone. I'm going to give you something that not only displays the fact that I've acquitted you of your sin, but it will give you access to everything that you need. And you're going to have a new name on that. God's going to give you a new name, and that new name is going to be a name only known to him and to you. This speaks to the intimacy of God's relationship with us, what he wants for us. All right, I got to keep going, you guys. Here we go. Um, Let's go on then to the next church. Um, The next church, it says this. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are burnished bronze. Uh, That simply means that he's strong. That's what bronze was. It was the strongest metal of that day. And so Jesus is strong. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and your perseverance, that you are now doing more than you did at first. Hey, how about that? You're growing. Your your capacity is growing as a church. You're doing more. You're reaching more people. You're loving more people. You're meeting more needs. I love that. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. We call her Jezzy. You tolerate Jezzy, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Do you, do you, see, do you see a common thread through what Jesus has against the churches? an accommodation of sexual immorality and idolatry. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering. I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds." Now, before you were like, oh, yeah, that's what I know of, of Christians and Jesus. You know, here's Jesus saying, I'm going to strike you dead. Yeah, he's given her like every chance in the world. He even says right here, I, I gave her, I gave her like, like every opportunity to do it. And she wouldn't do it. Now, I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching, and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Remember that our big idea truth is that the love of Jesus is strong enough to call us out and to call us up. So what do we do with that? It's clear that Jesus is involved in the church. It's clear that there are things that we can do that Jesus would look at and say, good job, that's awesome. Keep doing that. 
And it's clear that there are things that we can do where Jesus says no. Like any good parent, don't do that. Come away from that and toward the life that I have set aside for you. It's clear. It's clear that there is also reward waiting for us as we live this life. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? Well, we go back We go back to the beginning where Jesus walked them through the church in Ephesus. And he says this in verse 4 and 5. You remember? You have forsaken your first love. Watch this. Consider how far you have fallen. You know what he's saying there? Remember. Remember how it used to be. Remember the passion you once had. Remember the excitement you once had. Remember the clear conscience you once had. And when you remember, what it does is it illuminates where you are right now. And when I remember over here, I can see how far I've come. And so Jesus says the next thing is repent. Listen, it's not a a condemning thing. It's not Jesus saying, you know, bam, like hitting you over the head. It's an invitation. Repentance is an invitation to God's best. And so what do you do when you repent? It just simply means you turn and walk away from something. Right? If I'm going to repent of this table, I turn and I walk away from the table. There's no judgment in me turning and walking away. This is what God wants for you. Remember far you've come, repents, and then what does he say? Do the things you did at first. Return. Yes, I just came up with three words that start with the letter R. It's what I do. Return. Jesus says, look, it's right here for you. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you to hell right now. In fact, I'm inviting you into a flourishing life, an abundant life. Take some time to stop. Remember, remember where you once were. So you can see where you are now. Repent, turn away from that, and then return to the the things you did at first. This is the simplicity of the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is strong enough to call us out, and to call us up to something more. This is the message of Revelation chapter 2. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.